Hey there, thanks for joining us for today's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you're here. You're about to hear an incredible message from our pastor, Terry Haight. But before we get started, we'd like you to consider partnering with us. Our heart is to spread Jesus' message of hope to the world. If you'd like to sow into that mission, please visit hermesonassembly.com and click the Give button. Thank you so much for your generosity. Now enjoy this message. How many of you sometimes watch TV on Sunday morning or turn the TV on? It's okay. You can admit it. (laughs) Sometimes I do that, and my husband, um, he's, you know, the spiritual one. So he has to put on T.D. Jakes or we listen to some preaching. But sometimes I turn on the TV in the morning on Sunday, and I've noticed, this hit me this morning, uh, that Sunday morning... What's on the TV, we just have the three stations, is so depressing. (laughs) Isn't it on Sunday morning? All those news talk shows about everything that's going wrong in the world. So today, I just want to say before I get started that he is greater, and he is in charge of our nation, and he is the ruler. And those things that those people are talking about are not even relevant to somebody who's following Jesus. Okay, so we're just going to declare that over our nation even before we start today. I just felt led to do that. Um, I don't think it's an accident that on Sunday that that's when those shows come on even. You know, it's like a spoken word. And so we're just going to believe that today because God has great things for you in the word he has for you today. And uh, so I believe in having fun. I like fun. So, and I've been to enough baby showers to know that everybody likes prizes. Who likes winning prizes? (laughs) Okay, some of you are already winners today and you don't even know it. So we're going to do it Oprah style. And I'm going to tell you to check under your seat and see if you've won a prize today. There are some various prizes under the seats. If you've won a prize, if there's gaps in the seat, look around. Hold it up. It's taped to the bottom of the seat. Hold up your prize today. Have you won a prize? Ooh, Tino's got a prize. <laughs> right, Lena's got a prize. Miss Jan, she's got a prize. <laughs> Are you finding your prizes? There's a couple in the balcony. There's a couple in the balcony. A sponge, yes. A towel, a spatula. Miss J- oh, yes, Miss Jan's got the kitty litter scooper. <laughs> oh, yep, scrubbing brush. Yeah, oh, yes, who has the toilet brush? Anybody have the toilet brush? <laughs> Dish scrubber, yes, because today we're talking, those are yours to keep, congratulations. Guess what? In God's kingdom, everybody gets a prize to serve. Every one of you. You all get a prize. You all get to serve, and it's a privilege and a blessing. Um, Somebody told me I was asked to do something not too long ago, a couple months ago, if that. I was asked to do something here at the church that it would have been a lot easier not to do. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? Like, uh, I don't think I could do that. I don't really want to do it. It's going to inconvenience me. Um, I'm not comfortable. It's out of my comfort zone anyway. And so I said yes, because there's some pressure. And and, uh, so I was committed to do it. 
to do the job. And I was kind of like telling a friend of mine, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it. I guess I'm going to have to. And my friend said to me, she said, well, this isn't even about you, is it? <laughs> and I was taken back. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I know it's not about me. My whole life hasn't been about me. I mean, I committed to serve God as a teenager. I felt called into the ministry at uh, the age of 13. Everything I did was not about me. It was about serving God. That's my, my testimony. Glory to God that he touched my life, that no matter how old you are here, sitting here, that God can put his hand on your life and call you for ministry even today. Today, you can hear the Holy Spirit. He can minister to you. But I thought, what do you mean it's not about me? I know that. I mean, I, I laid it all down. I've been here all these years, sacrificing and sowing and serving. And on top of that, I mean, if that's not enough, God, I'm a mom. How many moms? Okay? Yes. Moms learn quickly. It's not about me. Remember, the, remember those first days of the baby? Uh, I've heard it said that mom is the one that has, uh, that sees that there, a mom is somebody who sees that there's five pieces of pie, and let me see if I can get this right, that sees that there's five pieces of pie and realizes that she's got six people to feed, including herself, and then concludes that she doesn't like pie. Okay, that's a mom, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Mom's the one that'll go without, that it knows that it's not about her. Um, so I, I kind of was like taken back by that statement. This isn't even about you, is it? Because I thought I know that. But God began showing me just through that little encounter, you know, we got our shirts, it's not about me. My husband has his on. That little encounter that no matter where we're at in life, no matter how much we've served or how much we think we've given, or maybe not given, we're all in different places that we're walking but that God wants us to open our heart today to receive from him because there's always areas where the Holy Spirit wants to put his finger on. And I began praying. I began praying from that point on, God, show me where I've made it about me because I see it right here and I know there's other places where I've made it about me. So I need your Holy Spirit. I'm blind. So show me where I've made it about me. And as I've been praying for you today, I pray that the Holy Spirit would put his finger on things in your life where the Holy Spirit would say, this is where you've made it about me. So I'm just asking you to kind of tune up, turn up your volume a little bit and listen closely to what God wants to say to you today. He has a word for you. Um, Christianity, because see, Christianity, what we're doing, this walk we're in, is not a behavior modification program. It's a heart transformation it's a heart transformation process where his heart becomes our heart, and it's a process. It's not about uh, transforming our behavior. It's about letting his heart become our heart, and that's what we're on the journey of. So today we're going to do a story um, from the Bible, uh, a Jesus story, and uh, this is kind of a simple little message. I'm used to lots of times teaching kids, and I like it simple. And that's how I think. So let's go on this journey together. Um, there's no greater example in, in the scriptures than what Jesus did. And so this story is directly from him. And we're going to read the scripture. This is towards the end of his life. 
right at the very end, and it's something he did, Jesus, our ultimate servant. Um, so John 13, chapter 13, 2 through 5, you can look that up if you want, it'll be on the screen. And it says this, the evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. So out of all the people at this meal, this is just a little side note, um, the word wants to make sure we know that Judas was there and that Jesus was getting ready to serve him and be a servant to him. So um, who God has called you to serve may not deserve it, okay? They just may not deserve it. And if anybody didn't deserve it, it was Judas. And so the word tells us that he was there. So um, the evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and he knew that he had come from God and was returning to God. That's what he knew. So this is what he did. He got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is, uh, number one, Jesus knew, okay, what he knew. Jesus knew who he was, where he'd come from, and where he was going. And when we don't know that about ourselves, when we don't know who we are, when we don't believe what God has put in us and know and be secure in who we are, we will never be able to serve like Jesus, ever, ever. And some of you right here are sitting here today and, and you don't know who you are. I mean, you're insecure in that. If you're not secure in who he has made you and the authority he has given you, you will never understand Jesus' example of serving. And let me tell you how that looks. It looks like this. When you start serving and doing something because of you, all of a sudden, it's not Jesus-like serving. It's serving because it makes me feel better about myself. It's serving because I have something to prove to others. That's what it looks like. So I just pray, you know, that God would uh, shine a light right there. We all have areas that maybe he's touching. Maybe I need to feel better about myself. No, no, no. We serve because he made us valuable. We serve because he made us important. We serve because he has put his spirit within us, and we know who we are. And if you don't know, let me tell you what. The word is full of who you are. You're made in his image. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're knit together. You're forgiven. You're a child of God. It even says you're his friend in the word of God. Get yourself those scriptures and know who you are. Know who you are. It's got to be the foundation for, for serving. Insecurity is an enemy of serving. It's the enemy of serving. Insecurity. Be secure. It says Jesus knew, at, right at the outset of the stories, Jesus knew who he was. He knew where he'd come from, and he knew where he's going. And we got to know that about ourselves if we're going to even consider serving like he served and serve in the way that people are going to see him. Amen. So know who you are. The next thing it says in the story is Jesus got up. So the challenge for number two is get up. And it doesn't say he just got up, but he got up from his meal as the meal 
was being served. Okay, you know how it feels like when you're getting ready to eat and they're just bringing the food out and you're ready to eat? That's, that's about the last thing you want to do is get up. <laughs> you're like, I've been waiting for this. I'm hungry. Picture yourself at a restaurant um, when, you know, maybe you've been waiting a little bit and your meal's coming. You've waited all day to eat. The, the manager or the waitress, whatever, brings your food out. And all of a sudden, you need to get up, okay? <laughs> you need to get up and start doing a job. That's not necessarily going to be comfortable. It's not going to feel good all the time. But it's about pushing away the table. It's about coming to serve instead of be served, okay? Coming to serve rather than be served. Um, so here's what I see a lot um, in our culture that we live in today. I see, um, I see us ending up making our lives more ways than we know revolve around ourselves um, and what that kind of leads to. Let me show you like this. Like, for example, and I do believe in balance. There's always balance. God's a God of balance and order. But so many times we think... Um, well, I can't serve here or I can't serve there because um, I need my family time, I'm working, I need my workout time, I got to take care of this, I got my errand day, I got my yard, I got my housework, and this person's counting on me, I got my parents to help, I got my kids. But here's the thing, what happens? What happens is we're ending up sacrificing God's very, very best for us because he loves us enough to know what is going to actually come out in the end, the best for us. Um, for example, I heard a lady once say she was, um, her mom had been a, a pastor's wife, and she had said her mom was, she had watched her mom as a teenager be, be very sad and constantly dealing with depression and things, and she said until her mom decided to get up and decide who God had made her to be and start serving in her giftings and her callings, did she see a complete transformation in her life? And in turn, that affected her daughter. So sometimes we think we're doing the best for our kids by waiting on them and catering to them and bringing them here, there, and everywhere and entertaining them. And I was guilty of that. Let me tell you what, every Friday night, or every Friday, I should say, we were at the Chuck E. Cheese. We were in the ball pit. And those things are all good. We need those. But what better thing could you possibly do with your kids at any age than come and serve? Come and let them see you operating in God's giftings and callings that he's putting you. Let them see God use you and use them and know that God's in them. I mean, what better gift could you possibly give your children? And, and so get up. Get up. Make a decision that we're going to get up. And Jesus said this. This is what he said when we get up. Here's the thing. You might think you're missing a meal. Like, we're asking you to get up on Easter, okay? We got probably a bunch of kids coming. We're expecting. We're believing God. We need people in nursery. We need people downstairs. We need people greeting. We need people making extra coffee. We need people cleaning some windows, okay? It's time to get up. We're asking you to get up. Get up on Easter and give up your seat just as the food's getting ready to serve because, be served because you know what? It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about serving. It's about the lost. Yes. Yes. And here's what Jesus said. This is the cool thing. Because do we not think he would not want our best, what's best for us? When we're not secure in his love, maybe we don't think that. But 
he loves us so much to want our, our best. This is what Jesus said. Here's what happens when we start serving and doing his will. John 4:34, Jesus explained, my nourishment or my food comes from doing the will of God who sent me. When we get up, when we choose to get up from our own meal and start serving, we get fed too. That's where we get fed. You're not going to not get fed. Don't worry. You're going to get fed. You're going to get abundantly fed when you start doing God's will and serving. That's his plan. So the first thing we're going to do is that Jesus did was we're going to know who we are, be secure in him. We're going to get up. And the next thing Jesus did in verse uh, 4, John 13, 4, is that he took off his coat. It says he took off his coat. Coats can say a lot of things about, about you. Um, let's see here. Do we have some coats coming up? Oh, look, at what's that coat say about the person wearing that coat? What do you think? <laughs> yes, let's see another one. Oh, looky there. Coats kind of say a lot about a person, huh? Whatever you're wearing on the outside, what's that say? There's another one. It could, yes. Next one. Oh, there we go. Iconic coat. Do you like that one? Pastor Terry has one like that. Yeah. <laughs> it fits him better during fasting season. <laughs> Had to squeeze that in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but here's what, here's, what, here's what Jesus did. He took off his coat, okay? And I believe everything in the Word is in there intentionally and for a reason so that we can learn and grow. Um, when we take off our coat, you're setting aside how you look. Um, some coats, like military ones or like the green jacket, you know, that you win for playing golf, they show um, a reward, so they show an accomplishment. Who you, who, what you've done in yourself. Okay, but Jesus took off the coat, and we need to take off our coat. We need to not be concerned about what we look like. We need to not be concerned about what our rights are and what we've earned and, and whatever. If we're going to serve like Jesus, we got to take the coat off. we gotta, we got to just say, I don't care what I look like without my coat on. <laughs> I'm going to take it off, and I'm going to serve, and I'm going to let him be, be Jesus in me. So... Um, Here's the thing about American culture and our culture. We really have this so, so upside down of what Jesus taught. It's, it's easy. I mean, I am guilty of it, where we um, adapt things that we know from our culture and our way of life, and we adapt them, and we start thinking they're what Jesus said, and they're actually the opposite. Okay, so here's one of them I'm going to give you today, and I just pray the Holy Spirit speaks to you on this. Our culture says, um, work hard. And you eventually won't have to do menial tasks. Is that not what we learn? Is that not what we learn? Yeah, like I remember when Nathan started working at the theater, he started working in like October, November. He's been there several years. It was November. And his first night on the job, you know what they gave him to do? They gave him putting those letters up for the sign. You see that big sign? There's a lot of letters out there. It was November, okay? He has to take down all the letters, 
put up all the other letters. It took him most of the night, if you can imagine. And, and uh, it wasn't fun. And I remember he, he had to do that for several months. And then somebody else got hired, and they got to do the signs. And he graduated from doing the signs. That's how it works in our culture, right? Once you graduate, you don't have to do the menial tasks. Okay, guess what? God's way, not that way. What do you know? It's not even like that at all. It's completely the opposite. Um, like in the church, it's easy for us to say, I've been following Jesus for this many years. I shouldn't have to serve in the nursery, okay? I shouldn't have to vacuum. That's somebody else's job. No, that's not what Jesus said at all. Jesus, nobody was busier, smarter, richer, more intelligent, higher up on the ladder, and yet he served. He served. He served, okay? He took off his coat, and he served. Luke 9.48, this is what he said. This is Jesus himself. He who is least among you all. That means the one that's cleaning the toilets, okay? That means the one that's serving extra duty at the preschool kids church. That means the one that's doing the job that nobody wants to do. He is the greatest. He is the greatest. Who's the least is the greatest. Matthew 20.28 says, the son of man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but he came to serve. Okay? So um, Jesus knew about taking off his coat and not caring what he looked like and truly, truly being a servant. I'm going to read Philippians 2.5. We're talking about attitude for a minute. Attitude is everything, right? <laughs> We're going to read this. It says, your attitude, Philippians 2.5. Hmm. Okay, that doesn't look right. <laughs> Philippians 2.5. Okay, it's similar. It's not the same version, I guess. It says, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Isn't that crazy? That God would ask us to have his attitude? And it says, who being in the very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Jesus made himself nothing and here we're asked to have that same attitude. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he, Jesus, humbled himself, and he became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. So I want to talk to you for just a couple minutes on this area of taking your coat off uh, about attitude, and I'm talking about attitude towards dirt, okay? Christians have, have history lots of times of of being the ones that like to find dirt, okay? <laughs> what is our attitude? What is your attitude towards the dirt? Um, isn't it, doesn't it make you feel just a little bit good when you go over to somebody's house and, and their house is just maybe a little bit dirtier than yours, just a little bit? Now, the opposite isn't so true. If somebody's cleaner, you're like, oh, I got to get home and clean. I've been to people's house and come home and clean my bathroom because I just, oof. <laughs> I just get motivated. I got to clean this mess up. <laughs> but Christians have, have a reputation, really, mankind in general, okay? We like to feel better about ourselves. So if we can find somebody with more dirt than we have, we're good, okay? That's not the attitude of Jesus at all, okay? Um, 
Have you ever had filthy feet? Have you ever had really filthy feet? Maybe you've been um, camping or just muddy, gross, disgusting feet. I have a picture of some gross, dirty feet here. <laughs> okay, something I want you to notice about these feet and your attitudes towards dirt. All you guys are looking at those feet and you're going, whew, I'm glad my feet aren't dirty like that, aren't you? <laughs> but um, I want you to notice about these feet. They're bare and they're naked. They could be cold or they could be sweaty. Okay, sometimes when you have dirty feet, if they've been dirty a long time, they're cracked. They might be hurting, okay? This is what we see in dirty feet. Uh, when we start deciding that I'm going to start serving and washing somebody's feet, let me tell you what happens to them. I don't know if you've ever had somebody actually wash your feet when they were truly dirty. But number one is they're going to start feeling comforted, okay? There's a comforting feeling to having your feet washed and dried, and that's what Jesus did. That's what he served. And that is an opportunity when we serve to wash somebody's feet, to have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks of comfort, that he can use us to bring comfort into somebody's life. And we're not talking about literal feet here, but feet are a beautiful example of, of what, how God wants to use us in serving. When we start serving and washing dirty feet, with no strings attached. No strings attached. What's that look like? What that looks like on I Love My City is, we talked about this in a, in a staff meeting. Are we going to, when we're out serving and loving our city, are we going to pass out our tracks and our invites? You know what we said? We decided, no, we're not going to. Because we don't want to pick up somebody's trash with the idea that I picked up your trash and now I expect you to show up. No, if you ask me, if you want to know why I'm doing this, I'm going to tell you. But meanwhile, I'm serving with no strings attached. I'm serving with no strings attached. And that's how we're serving at I Love My City. But when we start washing somebody's feet and serving them with no strings attached, one of the, one of the other greatest things that happens in a person's life that you, you, you have the authority to do is to start giving a person value and washing away worthlessness, okay? That's what serving does. It shows value in a person. It starts planting value in their heart. I might be worth something. Somebody gave up their Saturday to come help clean up my yard. Somebody's washing my car, my word. Okay, the enemy is, it, it tries to take that out of everybody's life. Every person he can get, that's part of his tactics. But you as a believer, full of the Holy Spirit, with God himself in you, can be used to start instilling value in a person just through serving. It's so simple. It's so simple. Jesus never asked us to do anything we couldn't do. So serving like Jesus says, I don't care how you got here. I don't care how dirty you are. I don't need to know your story where your feet look like this. I don't want to hear about the mountain you climbed or what river you went through. I don't even care. I'm just here to serve you. I'm just here to wash. I'm just here to wash. So what we're going to do, um, not the second, but <laughs> what we're going to do as a church is we're going to get down and start cleaning off dirt, folks. That's what it's all about. Yes, so I'm going to talk to you about how does that look at Hermiston Assembly. And guess what? It looks super practical. I am a practical person. 
Okay, I like knowing exactly how to do something. So it looks practical. It looks like this. It looks like driving a van on Wednesday night. I know you've heard about this before, but guess what? We have, we have a whole van load of kids that could be coming if somebody could just go get them in Umatilla. They're ready to come. They're ready to come. They're ready to come. It might mean using your own van and using your own gas. That's what serving is. That's what serving is. It means inconveniencing yourself. It means that, no, I would rather do this on Wednesday. That's more convenient for me. That's more comfortable for me. But no, I can do that. It looks like making somebody your best dish, your best dish when somebody has passed away or somebody's sick or maybe a neighbor that doesn't even know the Lord. It doesn't mean bringing them your leftovers, okay? It doesn't mean bringing them what you don't want. It means bringing them your best. It looks like uh, showing up for a child. Now, this one's near and dear to my heart because it's proven that if somebody will just start believing in a kid, I mean, the statistics show that they can make it no matter what kind of adversity they're dealing with. Do you know how easy it is to show up for a child and sit in the nursery and rock a baby and pray over them? Okay, it is work. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, there's poopy diapers, okay? There's crying kids. But what an opportunity that God allows us that he would use our hands and feet. And not only that, when we do that, we're saying, you know what? I love that mom. I love that family. I love that situation. It's their time to receive. I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve. I'm going to step up. I'm going to take off my coat. It looks like building maintenance. It looks like painting and changing light bulbs. We need some light bulbs changed. It looks like window washing and pulling weeds. Okay, these are the things. These are the washing feet things that we have available to do right here. And it's totally not limited to this. There's so much. Okay, it looks like getting the oil changed on the vans so the vans can keep going and picking up kids. It looks like showing up on Sunday mornings to make coffee. We're going to need a lot of coffee made. It looks like uh, helping people at the door or helping people at the parking lot. It looks like loving people and making it not about us. That's what it looks like. And I just, I'm just believing that even now as I'm sharing these just kind of random ideas, because I want to make it really practical for you to see, um, it looks like, um, like with, I'm sorry, I just had a random thought. <laughs> One thing that that we have on Wednesday night is we have kids, we have kids, uh, boys that need dads. I, I just have to say that, okay? We have girls that need moms, okay? You can do that. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. I mean, it just isn't. We have boys that need dads, okay? Maybe, God, maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart even now about I can step up. I can do that. I can show up for two hours out of my week and love a boy, or love a girl, or love a baby, okay? You have no idea the impact that it's going to make. It's time, I'm going to challenge you this morning, it's time, this is how you can realign yourself with God's divine purpose for your life. It's time that we step up and start realigning ourselves with God's divine purpose for your life. Are you waiting to do something big for God? I mean, big, like you're going to be a world changer? Guess what? Embrace your place. 
Do what God's put in front of you. Christine Kane, she told me a story. I mean, not me personally, but I heard her listening to her speak. And she said, um, she said, when I was a teenager at Hillsong Church, maybe you don't know who she is, but she's a speaker that's involved in um, just global ministry and seeing lots of uh, sex trafficking, slaves set free. And she said, um, she said everywhere that there was a word being given, I would get prophesied over and they would prophesy exactly what I'm doing today. She says it was crazy. Like, you know, I'm, I'm out here. I'm, I'm a world changer. I'm on the front lines. I'm doing all this. I'm seeing people set free. And she said, um, I would always get those words. And, but she said, here's the thing. Many of my friends got words like that too. And she said, they're not doing it. And um, she said, I asked God, what's the difference? Why did the word seem to come true for me? And, and God told her, because you embraced your place. And what that looked like right then was stacking chairs in the youth center. That's what she did. That's big. That's big. If that's what God's given you to do, that's what you do. You do what's in front of you. It's the power of now. Do what, you, do what God's given you to do now, and that's what he will use. And then it became picking up speakers, and then it became being on staff, but we embrace our place that God's given us. See, God always uses highly unlikely people. That's you and me, highly unlikely. How many of you think you're kind of a highly unlikely person for God to use? I definitely think that. God, those are the ones he uses. God always uses highly unlikely people, highly unlikely places. Look in the scripture, it's true. Isn't Hermiston kind of highly unlikely to see a move of God? Come on. I spent my whole life trying to get out of this place, and here I am. <laughs> All these years later, Hermiston is a highly unlikely place. But those are the places God uses. God always uses highly unlikely people, highly unlikely places, highly unlikely strategies. Who knew that by having a couple of free car washes and passing out some water bottles that the city would start opening up and giving us more opportunity? Like, that's highly unlikely that washing some cars is going to start causing these effects. Okay, but this is how God works. Highly unlikely people, highly unlikely places, highly unlikely strategies, which do this. They cause highly unlikely results. Yes, highly unlikely results. That's what we can expect. That's what we can expect, people of God. So I'm going to tell you a story. I love this story. And uh, I'm going to need my fishing pole. Has a fishing pole in the story. We're almost done. Almost. Okay, there was a little boy in the 40s, and uh, he, he had a friend. They were about eight, these boys. He had a friend named Jay. It wasn't Jay Wilhouse. <laughs> Thank God for Jay Wilhouse, but it wasn't him. But it was a little boy named Jay. His name was Jay. I like to tell you his name. And uh, Jay's friend invited him about 1945-ish. Jay's friend invited him to come to the church down the street with him. Jay's friend had been going to church, and he'd been going to kids' church. And, um, and so Jay showed up to church for the very first time, eight years old, showing up to see what God's all about. And uh, when he got there, he found out the reason that his friend had invited him, because there was a children's worker that God had dropped an idea in their heart to purchase a fishing pole and make a raffle for the fishing pole. And the way you got your name entered in the raffle was every friend you brought, 
you got to enter your name in the raffle for the fishing pool. So Jay was okay with that, but he loved fishing. And he said, um, well, I got to get my name in there. It's not good enough just for my friend to have his name in there. So Jay couldn't find anybody else to bring right at the moment. So guess what? He went home and next Sunday he got his mom there. He's like, I could get my mom to do anything for me. Uh, <laughs> and his mom showed up and Jay got to put his name in the raffle for the fishing pool. And, uh, and his mom accepted Jesus and she made a decision to follow Jesus that week. And that set something in course that changed the history of that family when his mom accepted the Lord. And Jay began to follow God, and the mom began to lead the family. And his dad didn't get saved till many years later, but his dad did eventually get saved. And, and Jay went on to get married and have a family. And Jay had a little girl, and she grew up. And uh, her name is um, Kim Ayers. Kim Ayers isn't here today. I got permission to share her this little story because it spoke to me so much. But y'all know Kim. She's on our, one of our giving slides out there, washing cars. Kim, Jay was Kim's dad. And because of a children's worker who got an idea to buy a fishing pole and do a little raffle, which spurred on this chain of events that caused Kim's grandma to get saved, which I knew her too, and her dad, and now Kim contends for her family. She's serving in this community, all because in 1945, there was a children's worker who said, I think I'm just going to buy a fishing pole, and started praying and asking God, we need some more kids in church. If I'm going to serve here, I want to I do something. I want to do more. What could I do? God, could you give me a God idea? See, many times God shows us ideas, and we think it's just ourself buying a fishing pole. No, 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 no. God gives you ideas, creative ideas for reaching people and loving people and serving people and stepping up even when it's not easy. God will do that. And it could be as simple as a fishing pole. It could be whatever. It could be whatever he tells you. But it changes generations. That's what I want to tell you today. This is the most important thing I want to tell you. And I don't even have a slide for it, but I want to tell you, I want you to say this. Say, my life transcends generations. Okay, now this can be for negative. Pull out your phone if you got it just a minute. I know I'm, I'm running out of time. I got, pull out your phone. Look up the word transcends. Look up the word transcends. What's it say? Give me another word for transcends. Here, dear. Shout it out. Goes beyond. Yes, that's a good one. What else do you see? Surpasses. What else? Anything else you see? Outshines your life. Your life, okay? That can be for the negative, but we're not talking about that today because we're serving God. But when we're serving God, your life, my life, say it, my life transcends generations. That's what God has put in you. When you start serving, it's as simple as starting to serve. Your life transcends generations generations. Think of that fishing pool. Look at Kim's life. Look at her family. Look what God has done because somebody stepped up and started serving. Your life transcends generations. Generations. Okay, I'm just going to have you close your eyes for a minute. We're wrapping her up here. I want you to imagine for a minute 
a church filled with caring people who know who they are, who are secure in him. I want you to imagine a church of caring people that know how to get up from feeding themselves all the time. Who know how to take off their coat and lay aside their rights and their accomplishments. And a church that has a towel ready to go, ready to get down and wash off dirt. This is the church that God wants to use to see Hermiston saved. And I'm talking about the whole city. God cares about everyone. That's the church he's called us to be. You are not God's plan B. Okay? You are not God's plan B for reaching Hermiston. You're God's plan A. You're his first choice. You, you, put your hand on your heart. You're the one. You're the one. You're his plan A. You are his first choice. It's not about what you and I are and are not. It's not about what you and I can and cannot do. It's about Christ is on the inside of you and our God is big. He is big. He wants to use you. So today I'm just going to close by saying this and I challenge you to say it to those around you and to make it part of our culture here at Hermiston Assembly. Where are you serving? Where are you serving? I challenge you to ask that to, to people out the door. Where are you serving? Where are you serving? Where are you serving? God wants to use you. You're the one. You're the plan A. 